This is the AmbiView Audio Experience. Hey everybody, this is your man Tim, and today's episode is on the value of honesty. We'll discuss the Bernie Madoff scheme, the importance of honesty at work, and the pressure to succeed. So stick and stay, and let's get after it. Bernie Madoff defrauded his clients of $65 billion. All of that financial wizardry was just a basic Ponzi scheme. A magician never reveals his secrets. Most parents tell their kids that honesty is the best policy. You see, when we're young, it simply feels good to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. However, once we grow up and encounter the real world, we may realize that some of our business decisions actually run in conflict with our personal values. When that actually does occur, we have a choice. We can stay on the straight and narrow, or we can lie like we've never lied before. As we will soon discover, one man decided to brazenly lie, ultimately committing the largest fraud in the history of Wall Street. With that, the promise of low risk and high returns is what every investor craves. In other words, my downside or risk of loss is low, while my upside or opportunity for gain is high. The problem is, those two concepts, low risk, high return, are fundamentally at odds with one another. In general, think of opportunity as a sliding scale with certain trade-offs. As an investor, I'll stomach greater risk in exchange for a greater return, or, I'll accept lower risk in exchange for a lower rate of return. It's simply apples to apples. What's uncommon is low, stable, predictable level of risk and a high rate of return. Bernie Madoff tried to convince investors that he was in fact uncommon. For at least 17 years, maybe longer, he orchestrated one of the most dishonest Ponzi schemes in history. However, prior to his downfall, Madoff was very well respected in several financial circles. He started his own market making firm in the 1960s. And by market maker, we mean someone who buys and sells securities. So think stocks and bonds. In addition to having his own financial firm, Madoff helped launch the Nasdaq stock market and ironically enough, advised the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, on trading activities. So again, he was a very well-respected veteran in the financial industry who basically peddled this idea that he knew how to consistently generate 12 to 13% rate of return for his clients like clockwork. Up market, down market, volatility didn't matter because this man was a machine. No one could understand those sophisticated statements that he sent out to investors. Why? Because a magician never reveals his secrets. Well, it turns out all of that financial wizardry was just a basic Ponzi scheme. You see, in a Ponzi scheme, money from new incoming investors is used to pay off the promised returns to older ones. Along the way, no actual profit is being made and the operator of the scheme is either one, pocketing the extra money, or two, using it to expand operations. Now eventually these Ponzi schemes simply just flame out. They're just not sustainable because one of three things simply crashes the operation. Number one, new investors are too difficult to find and there's just not enough cash flow to pay older investors. Number two, 
Too many existing investors ask to redeem or pull out their money. Or number three, the operator of the Ponzi scheme just takes the money and runs. In the case of Bernie Madoff, his demise came when too many current investors asked to pull out their money. In December of 2008, they asked him for $7 billion, and unfortunately, he only had 200 to 300 million to give. What else happened in 2008? Well, the Great Recession. The markets were in sharp decline, and so Madoff couldn't raise the needed capital in order to continue the fraud scheme. So, in a moment of sincere honesty on December 10th, 2008, he confessed the entire scheme to his sons, and the very next day, they turned him in to the authorities. All told, Bernie Madoff defrauded his clients of $65 billion. Now, what have we learned? Well, when profits are what motivate us instead of transparency, then we risk losing everything. Instead, committing to and focusing on honesty at work helps to improve your business in several ways. Number one, honesty boosts customer trust. When you do the right thing, people wanna work with you. You see, trust isn't built overnight, but instead is earned over time through consistent effort. It's a process that involves both perspective and patience. Number two, honesty minimizes the risk of regulatory concerns. Simply, when you operate with integrity, then you reduce your risk of being penalized by a regulatory body. However, if you skirt the issues and skirt the rules, then you risk getting burned. Take Wells Fargo as an example. In 2016, regulators cited certain employees for creating fake customer accounts. Unfortunately, this had a negative financial impact to the tune of $575 million. Number three, honesty creates better ideas. When people are comfortable and open, then they are more inclined to engage, collaborate, and share ideas without fear of judgment. Dishonesty creates stress, and stress negatively impacts the quality of your work. You see, it's tough to be your best when you're constantly pretending to be something that you're not. Number four, honesty reduces unproductive conflict. Now, some conflict can be helpful because it allows many voices to be heard and hopefully create a path between two opposing sides that will embrace empathy. However, dishonest conflict is harmful. It creates a toxic environment, people become disingenuous with their comments, and it yields false results. Again, true collaboration is obtained when people have open and honest communication. And number five, honesty leads to more honesty. It's a snowball effect. You see, you demonstrate honesty to people and then people in turn reciprocate it back to you. Ideally, you create this culture of honesty where people not only feel empowered, but also valuable as well. Now let me throw it back your way for a little Q&A. To set the stage, there is a tremendous amount of pressure to succeed across all demographics. The pressure to succeed starts at an early age. 60% of teens say that they feel substantial pressure to get good grades. Gen Z feels the pressure to fix things, the environment, mass shootings, inequality, etc. They are the most ethnically and racially diverse generation in history and 94% of them believe that the country needs to come together in order to make progress. 
Millennials feel the pressure to overachieve. 67% of millennials say that they feel extreme pressure to succeed in their careers and change the world. Gen Xers feel the pressure of engagement. 50% of Gen Xers say that they feel stuck in their work, not truly liking what they do, but burdened by financial responsibility. And baby boomers feel the pressure of retirement. 45% of baby boomers have zero savings for retirement. No matter who you are or where you fall demographically, you may at times feel some form of pressure to succeed in our society. Now don't get me wrong, the pressure is indeed real, but it doesn't have to be debilitating. With the right mindset and support system, you are more than capable of charting your own path to success in whatever shape or form that takes. As long as you are honest with yourself and others, you will absolutely get there. So the question for you is, in which areas of your life are you feeling the pressure to perform or succeed, and how are you handling that pressure? And there you have it, the value of honesty. With that, my friends, it's been my pleasure, and thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Tim Jones, and as always, please remember to share it and follow us. Also, be sure to check out the video version of this episode on YouTube, as we have some great visuals to drive these concepts home. Keep grinding, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.